You're listening to 30 Below with Allie and Rick. I'm Allie. And I'm Rick. And this week we continue our theme of the month of legacy sequels Mm -hmm. in homage to Top Gun Maverick. Um, And we watched Basic Instinct 2. Mm -hmm. And this one also fits in because this weekend in Minneapolis is Pride. Mm Mm-hmm. And Basic Instinct features one of the most prominent uh, openly bisexual characters on film. Uh-huh. And this movie does not. Nope. <laughs> I mean, she used to, I mean, I guess she kind of still is, she still is, but There's like. There's one uh, allusion to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a, it's not as representative not that the first one is good representation it kind of implies that a all women are bisexual and b all bisexuals have uh the capacity to murder Mm -hmm. um this movie said it's i i very much enjoyed basic instinct yeah basic instinct is a good movie from a good director with great performances yeah this uh, is something this is, different. This is so much different. Um, so yeah, this is Basic Instinct 2. It is rated R. There um, is an unrated version that is two minutes longer. There's uh, probably more thrusting at the orgy scene. Probably. Spoilers, there's an orgy scene. Um, it is rated R. It is an hour and 55 minutes. It is from 2006. Um, it got a critics rating of 6% out of 155 critics. Ooh. It's not great. Nope. Um, and an audience rating of 26% out of 50,000 plus audience members. Ooh. So, again, not great. Um, the tagline is... Everything interesting begins in the mind. <laughs> what? Because of psychology, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I know that's what they're going for, but it's so, such a goofy tagline. Which is another through line of the first movie that anyone who knows, who studies psychology is a world-class manipulator who yes. just wants to mess with people. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's Which, the only reason you go into psychology is to manipulate people. And that's the only through line with this movie, really. Yeah. Yep. Psychologists in this also love manipulating people. Yep. There are a few technically good psychologists in this. Maybe. But they don't seem good at psychology. No, nobody seems good at psychology in this. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what I've got. So yes, Basic Instinct Two: Colon Risk Addiction. Oh, is that it's, is that its full title? That is what it is sometimes referred to. That is what it is referred to on HBO Max. Oh my! That gosh. is the full title there. Wow. Okay. Um, directed by Michael Catton Jones, mm-hmm. uh, best known for directing the uh, Michael J. Fox movie Doc Hollywood, which is better known as the movie that Cars rips off. Huh. 
about a hotshot athlete who gets stuck in a small town and has to do community service. Okay. And movie which I am going to demand we watch at some point. <laughs> um, the Jackal. Oh. Which features uh, Richard Gere in an attempted Irish accent. Oh, beautiful. It's one of the earliest performances from Jack Black in a movie as okay. a tech guy for an assassin. Uh, Bruce Willis is the bad guy. Like, there's a lot happening in The Jackal. And it is less than 30%? It's at like 20%. Fantastic. Can't wait. This is written by Henry Bean, which he has nothing of note that I saw. Like, he's written like a dozen movies and stuff. He has like a dozen credits and none of them I recognized. Has he written any erotic thriller murder mystery novels? Not that I could tell. Yeah, it didn't seem like it. And Catherine Trammell can't either. His <laughs> his co-writer was Leora Barish, who uh, her biggest credit outside of this is Desperately Seeking Susan. Okay. I haven't seen Desperately. Neither have I. It's just the only thing I recognize. Yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, behind the scenes people didn't really yeah. have a thriving career after this. No. Most of the people in this movie didn't really have a thriving career <laughs> outside of this. I didn't n- recognize like so many people in this. There's outside of Sharon Stone, there is one actor in this that I recognize. The mustache guy, Washburn. Yeah. yeah, I recognized him. I didn't recognize anyone else. Cause he's in the Neo Lib Turf Wizard movies. Oh, that's where I recognize him from. That's where I knew him. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. And also in Wonder Woman. Okay. Where he plays the bad guy oh. in a twist. Right. I don't think you've seen that since we saw it in theaters, yeah. and therefore you probably don't remember anything about that movie. Probably not, no. I remember uh, that I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we begin with a pulsating light, mm-hmm. and it it has like a rhythm to it, and I'm like, what is this? What are we doing here? But it's lines on the road because they're going really fast in a tunnel because apparently she's just driving with this dude who's really drugged up Uh uh-huh and this is a bit of a through line from the first one in the first one she is an incredibly reckless driver yeah she is and so here she's apparently the only person that's exists in all of london yep there is literally no one else on the streets Mm -mm. and she's driving 150 miles an hour Mm -hmm. or 120 or something Mm -hmm. through the streets of london Mm -hmm. and she's like super frisky and she's like putting his fingers in her mouth and he's like am i driving and she's like you're driving like a pro and uh, he's like, I can't move. And she says, you don't have to. You're in a car. Yeah. <laughs> Just brilliant dialogue to start out I, with. in all the movies that we have watched, I have not written down as many verbatim quotes as I have for this movie. 
Like, just so many one-off lines of dialogue are just so terrible. Yep. And they're delivered so poorly. Yeah. That I couldn't help but just... I wouldn't write down what happened in the scene. I would just be too focused. I'd be like, what was, <laughs> what was that line of dialogue? <laughs> yeah, Finger her, and Dan in the modal nodes. Yeah. Uh, her license plate says D111 or D3 Cat. Like, I know her name is Catherine. D111. I don't know. I don't know. It just, they they zoomed in on it. So yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be like, ah, oh, that's clever. But And I, it seemed to be vanity plates, which, yeah. why would you get vanity plates that don't make sense like that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, she puts his finger in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like super drugged out. So I don't believe that it was that good for her yeah like she is like not only is she assaulting him by doing this because he's clearly not in the mindset to consent like he's he's so out of it um he doesn't even know like if he's in a car or not Mm -hmm. so like yeah he can't consent to digitally penetrating someone Um, but she does that and she like, is like really into it and apparently orgasms from it, which I just, I don't believe it would be that good if the other person is basically unconscious. And it's also implying that what she's really getting off on is the racing through the streets and then she crashes into a bus stop uh-huh. and into the Thames. Uh-huh. And then she just, she tries to get him out for a second. And then she's just like, peace. And she, she sees him drown. And he's like looking at her and she's like floating up above him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're, you're dead. <laughs> and yeah, that's our first scene in this movie is yep. her just killing some guy. Mm-hmm. In full view. Yep. Like, the first one starts off in silhouette, so we're not 100% sure that she does it. Right, yeah. Which provides some suspense. But in this, mm-hmm. it's like, no, it's like, she... Yeah, she did it. Like, at the very least, she was the driver, mm-hmm. and through her actions, let she's done a manslaughter, at the very least. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so we're with the cops now. Mm-hmm. They're doing an interrogation scene like they did in the last one. Mm -hmm. And they do the cigarette where she's smoking a cigarette and she looks at the camera and you see the TV from outside the interrogation room and she's like smoking a cigarette while looking at it. And like it was sexy in Basic Instinct in the first one. I was like, oh, wow, that's a really cool shot. Um, but this one, she just knows what she's, she knows what she's doing so much throughout this whole thing where it's like, you, how can you take this person seriously? Yeah, she's not a master manipulator. She's basically omnipotent mm-hmm. and is able to get things to happen exactly as she wants them to. Yeah. And, and she knows it. Like everything she says is with so much like just 
cockiness and arrogance and like it just sounds like she's trying to be like dripping with sex um where it just it this whole movie felt like a parody of the first one yeah uh this director is not as good as paul verhoeven and (laughs) it comes across in in the entire movie yep because yep as we saw, Sharon Stone, playing the same character, did a great performance in the last one. Mm-hmm. And in the 12 years since that movie, just nothing. It was so goofy. It was so goofy to watch. Um, yeah, so we get that same shot. And there are a lot of homages to the first Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. Except in this movie, for some reason they like a very shallow depth of field on the camera. Yeah. So that unless something is directly in front of the camera, it's out of focus. Like people step out of the blurry background into focus so much in this movie. I didn't catch that, but I, I noticed it I specifically it. in this scene when the uh the analyst steps into mm. the foreground when we introduce him for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that is that's a very specific shot that you did three times in the first 15 minutes of this movie. <laughs> uh, so many of the lines during this. She, She's just so monotone and low energy and answers every question with a question. And it is just so ridiculous to watch. Like, she's giving this performance like 5% more energy than her Catwoman performance. I don't, I don't think I saw her as Catwoman. She was uh, the bad guy in Catwoman, in the Halle Berry one. Oh, okay. She had skin made that. of marble. I don't remember that. Um, Stay tuned. Oh, was that where she had like the skin cream mm-hmm. to like keep her oh, young forever? Oh, guess you, this, that didn't work. Guess I'll have to kill you both now. Oh. Yeah, it's... We'll get to that one day. We, yeah, we'll again. We'll do that again one day. Um, and I, right off the bat, no chemistry nope. between the two leads. No chemistry whatsoever. I did not believe for one second that Michael was interested <laughs> in Catherine, and I didn't think that Catherine was like attracted to Michael. I thought that she just really wanted to mess with him. Like, I was like, I I can't even imagine them, like, kissing or, like, having sex. Like, I know that they're going to, but, like, he just seems so, he seems so, like, walled off. Like, nothing is going to happen. Whereas Michael Douglas in Basic Instinct was, like, immediately, like, entranced by her. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Well, she does notice that he looks a little divorced. (laughs) Because she's so hyper-observant that she notices the slight fading on his ring finger where there is no ring, but the tan line hasn't come in all the way yet. Yeah, she's like Sherlock in this. Which, that is, I have seen that exact same uh, this character is smart and knows, mm-hmm. notices things, mm-hmm. like, detail in, like, five different things. Mm-hmm. To the point that it's, like, not 
noticeable if you could tell someone's divorced by yeah like looking at their finger mm-hmm. uh, yeah so many great lines there's so many people who like you forget their occupation because they seem like detectives <laughs> <laughs> like the psychologist like michael he's doing detective work and Catherine is doing detective work slash I'm not a criminal work. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I feel like she really wants everyone to think that she killed a lot of people. Yeah, in the first one, like, she... It's still somewhat up in the air as to if she actually did it. Right. I think the last shot is pretty definitive with it. But outside of that, you can make a case either way. Right, yeah. Uh, and in this one, they try to do that, but it seems to be just to have it be ambiguous because mm-hmm. she seems very much yeah. in control of everything the yeah. entire time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like the whole time I was like, she, she definitely killed them. Right. And then she even like has a confession around the hot tub and she's like, I did th- and I killed this person because I didn't like them. Like. If you are being investigated for multiple murders, you probably shouldn't be joking about how you killed a bunch of people. No, you should not. Yeah. But after her analyst session, uh, she is getting her day in court. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he is on the stand talking to the barrister, explaining his forensic psychology view of her. That she has a risk addiction and that she will need to do riskier and riskier things to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the only thing that will stop her is her death. Yeah. Which seems like a thing that you say in court. That <laughs> seems... I know. I was... None of it seemed... I was like, what is this? What are you doing? Um, and... There's so much exposition, uh, like, right afterwards about, like, with the, um, uh, with the, the new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam. Like, how, how is your, or how is my wife? You mean your ex-wife? We are fantastic. And, like, just, <laughs> um, but yeah, Catherine is released because uh, somebody admitted that they gave her the DTC, mm-hmm. which is the drug that, what's his face? Yeah, the, that really killed him. The guy that died yes, by the drowning. Footballer. But apparently his lungs had stopped before. But the thing is, they say like his lungs had stopped before he went over the bridge. And she's like, no, I know his lungs didn't stop because uh, he was making me come at the time. Like, do you, why do you want them to think that you killed them? Yeah. Do you just want to go to prison? But yeah, the technicality is that the person who uh, pinned it as he sold her this uh, killing poison had perjured himself in a previous case, so the judge decided to not admit it as mm-hmm. evidence. Mm-hmm. So she got off. Yep. Uh, and when 
uh, Michael, is that his name, Michael? Yes. Uh, is talking to the reporter outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear about George Cheslov. Yes, very important. Who was a former patient who uh, at, or Michael didn't think would have harmed anyone, and he never broke his uh, oath of confidentiality. But then uh, he was treating a patient that ended up killing his pregnant girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes you gotta break confidentiality if they are a danger to themselves or someone else. Yep. And this this psychologist is like, nope, can't can't break confidentiality. He said that he wanted to kill his girlfriend, but you know that's confidential. Yeah, and that's like this other like case that's going on throughout this movie in the background mm-hmm. is this Cheslov case mm-hmm. that we have to keep touching in on and be like oh <laughs> what did happen there like what oh did, did did he tell you that he was gonna kill the girlfriend did you think he was a danger to himself or others was he framed did someone else fra- like do it yeah was he joking like it's just yep and apparently that's why Catherine wanted him for her psychologist, because mm-hmm. she was like, because you're really good on confidentiality. So if, if I told you that I had killed someone, would you tell the police? I don't reveal confidentiality on things that happened in the past. <laughs> I, I feel like he should... So like, that is, actually, I'm pretty sure is... Is that really a thing? Like, if like, you kill someone, you can't... Like, like you would... I imagine if you thought they would do it again, but you would try to get them to realize that uh, keeping it a secret is going to do more harm to their okay. health, mental health long-term than gotcha. confessing. Gotcha. Especially if someone else is you know caught for the crime or whatever. Okay. But... But I also might be mixing it up with, like, uh, what priests do if you confess to a crime in confession. Oh, okay. Because, like, they also aren't allowed to tell anyone about... (laughs) If you go in there and you say, yeah, I murdered someone, they can't tell anyone. You need to do a million Hail Marys. (laughs) Oh, they would say, if you're truly uh, asking for forgiveness, you need to admit this to the police. (laughs) Uh, but, yeah. yeah. But, yes, he definitely would break confidentiality if he thought they were a harm to someone else. 500,000 Our Fathers. That seems like a good level. <laughs> that equals one murder. <laughs> um, so, He yeah, goes to this he's... Freud symposium where we've got a painting of okay, Sigmund Freud. But she also, when he's, like, he's looking at this camera or something like that or like he's got it on in the background and like they're the the camera guys are like outside the trial as she's being released and she looks like directly into the camera like so like look what i just did i got away with murder it's just so blatant it's oh so much of this movie Oh, gosh. But yes, we're at a Freud symposium. We've got a big painting of Sigmund Freud, and also a German guy is talking. And I was like, is 
is this an actor reenacting Freud? <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, what is happening right now? Because uh, if you showed me Freud and then had someone talk about psychology, I would be like, oh, okay, he is setting dressing. If you just had a room and had a guy with a German accent talking about psychology, yeah. I'd be like, oh, he's just a German psychologist. <laughs> but you show me Freud and then you have that accent. I'm gonna combine the two in my head. Yeah, same. But the person who was speaking is decidedly not Freud. No, he has. <laughs> He's got like a mix between Andy Warhol and Tim Burton's haircuts. He reminded me of, is Nikki Six? Is that the one that I'm thinking of? There's one Motley Crue guy, I think. There's some like, one of those bands that I was just like, is that that haircut that I'm thinking? Ricky, maybe? something. I don't know. I I thought the first thing I thought was Nikki Six, um, but uh, well, kind of. I mean, he's a little bit, a little bit shorter with like some gray streaks. Yeah, and yeah, but it's a choice. It's <laughs> oh, it's such a choice. Wow. Um. Yeah, so they're at this Freud symposium listening to this German guy with a ridiculous wig, um, which I don't know if it's a wig, but I feel like it's a wig. <laughs> um, and uh, Michael like sees this girl that he likes, Michelle, and they sort of talk, and then he leaves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he's getting coffee. Mm -hmm. somewhere and uh, he just crosses off omnipotent on his <laughs> on his uh notes and he's like staring at a waitress he is that's right and like for no reason she's looking at him i'm like is he flirting with this waitress is this gonna matter and then it has no, no. bearing on anything else in the movie doesn't matter at all uh and the assistant to adam comes in and I was confused because I thought it was Adam. Same! Because they cast someone with the same hair mm -hmm. and facial hair. Yeah. And, like, the same body type. Mm-hmm. To play basically the same part. Yeah, yep. And it felt more like they couldn't get the actual actor in for that <laughs> scene, so they just wrote around it. <laughs> like, in the room when Peter disappears at the end. <laughs> but... Yeah, for some yep. reason, this guy looks exactly like uh, they're right across the street from Carphone Warehouse. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, so Adam, have we talked about Adam? Uh, we reporter, mentioned him briefly. Who's banging his ex-wife. And is investigating George Cheslov. Yep, the Cheslov. And case. yeah, he's apparently both a terrible writer but also is an incredibly good journalist because he has, like, several stories that we talk about throughout this movie, yeah. which are all incredibly in-depth reporting yeah. and have great sources and everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we get to the psychiatrist's office, which, like, what is this building? Uh, it's in the pickle. Uh, so that is... A building in London that looks like 
a giant Fabergé pickle. Okay. Uh, and it's near St. Peter's Basilica. And, or St. Paul's Cathedral. Sorry, not St. Peter's Basilica. And, yeah, for some reason, this is just a psychiatrist who rents a room on, like, the 16th it's floor like or something. It's, like, the top, yeah, and it's, like, so extravagant yeah, like just cavernous waiting room. i was like what is this office i have never been to a therapist's office like this i have never been to a therapist's office that has a chaise lounge i am convinced <laughs> those do not exist <laughs> see i think that uh if i were to go to this therapist if i'm like yeah i have some things i want to talk about uh I would immediately never go there again because it'd be like, what are you charging me for? Yeah. If this is your overhead. Huge. When you could have the exact same conversation mm-hmm. in a broom closet somewhere. Well, also it feels, it it wouldn't feel as intimate in that like big space. Mm-hmm. And like, you've got like the giant view of London through those windows. Like, And it's he just... even, he talks about how uh, it's very important with a therapist that you have trust between the patient mm-hmm. and the doctor. And it's like, I want to trust a guy with that as his office. No! That's a Bond villain's not. office. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what therapist? Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, um, he seems super uh, ambivalent towards uh, Catherine. Like, she is throwing herself at her or at him, mm-hmm. and he is just, like, stone-faced the whole time. Yep. And he is accurately saying that it would not be a good idea for her to be his patient. Yeah. Since he did, you know, testify about her mental state yeah. in court yeah. against mm-hmm. her. Uh-huh. Saying that she was risk-addicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be not a very good relationship. No. Mm-hmm. But she's so huffy about it. She can't take that no. She cannot. She doesn't like being rejected. She doesn't. And he he apparently really likes control, too. So it's just like they met their match in each other, which they did not. Like, the movie wants us to feel like they have... But they haven't. They have not. They have not. Um, And, yeah, he eventually relents and is like, yeah, okay, you can come by tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, We learn more about Cheslov, that he beat his pregnant girlfriend with a brick, um, and that uh, Michael didn't warn anyone, um, which... Bad. Mm-hmm. Bad psychologist. Um, yeah, and then that's when we have the conversation with Catherine where she's like, so if I told you I killed someone, um, He decides to start reading her books and he reads Shooter, the book that she was writing about Michael Douglas God. in the original. I feel like she was more uh, nuanced. More subtle in the first one in terms of, like, naming her books. Like, it just... Yeah. 
Well, I mean, kind of like that. It's like she said the book was called Shooter yeah. in the first one. And that oh, was his did. departmental okay. nickname. Okay, I didn't know that that was what it was called in the first one. Yeah, he's in therapy with her and she's talking and he's staring at her gams because he is not profesh. But again, like, it doesn't see. it looks like the camera is, like, forcing us to be like, he's really into her. And then, like, on his face, he's just like nothing yeah he looks bored not like he's yeah restraining himself yeah yeah um yeah and every single shot every piece of dialogue this all just reads as a parody of the first one if i was with him when he died i'd never forget it (laughs) gosh um and we meet malena who Mm -hmm. is his friend who is a psychiatrist as Mm -hmm. well um and she is very interested in Catherine um as a person and she keeps talking about how brilliant and manipulative (laughs) she is and she's like did she try to seduce you i bet she's so manipulative yeah this is a world where psychologists psychiatrists all just accept that they're going to try to manipulate other people and want to win at manipulating. Yeah. Like, they talk about it being a game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Catherine is asked at a psychologist party, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're just a party that... We're, this is another thing. Like, everybody shows up at the right place place at the right time like uh-huh. Catherine knows exactly where everyone is gonna be there are only three houses in london only- <laughs> yeah exactly um and three like dance club too like there's no yeah you just know where they're gonna be anyway um so they're at this psychologist party and melena asks Catherine. Apparently, Milena has never seen Catherine. Yeah, she's fascinated with her. But she didn't see her on the news, and she hasn't Hasn't her apparently up. seen her face or anything like that, but Catherine's like, I'm a writer. And Milena goes, oh, what do you write? And she, <laughs> Catherine goes, the lurid, the sexual, the violent, the basic instincts. <laughs> oh, it's the dialogue is so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, she hands her Big Ben lighter to mm-hmm. Michael and is like, go put that in my coat pocket, will you? Mm-hmm. And then as he's walking by, like, she's chatting it up with some psychologists and she says something like, and it makes you wonder who's the patient and who's the doctor? <laughs> and then everyone's like, astounded by this insight (laughs) oh gosh also i did not register the big ben thing as a lighter i just thought that she liked to carry around like a trinket of big ben yeah she was holding it in an earlier scene too okay i was Uh, like she didn't light it with it until this scene though okay i missed that um but she Uh, Michael is like, I gotta leave. Like, if my patient is here, I'm not gonna be here. Which, 
good. Mm -hmm. Um, But Catherine follows him to where his coat is. And she, like, continues to, like, throw herself at him. Which, at this point, I was like, this would be so creepy Mm -hmm. if it was a man pursuing a woman. Because she is predatory. Yeah. Like, hardcore predatory. She will not leave this man alone. Nope. Yeah. And while he's up there, the other uh, psychiatrist that he has kind of a thing with Mm -hmm. walks in. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I was... Wondering if you'd be up here. I thought I'd grab your coat and we could go get a drink. Mm-hmm. And Which we... is what Catherine asked him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no. But he's like, well, I'm out of this party anyway. And, ooh, pretty girl who likes me. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a sex scene. Uh-huh. And in comparison to the way Verhoeven shoots it, <laughs> it's like so boring it's for most of it boring and also like really frantic looking like they're and just like also, rolling around it looks uncomfortable because he keeps his head leaning to the left <laughs> the entire time because he's staring at the back cover of the book he bought that has <laughs> sharon stone's picture on it and That's... so it's not like he sees it out of the corner of his eye or something. He's just staring at yeah. it. And apparently uh, this woman doesn't notice that she keeps kissing, like, the side of his chin. Yeah. Uh, and he tells her to flip over because he wants to do it from behind. Um, and, yeah, they do it doggy style. And he's, like, staring at Sharon Stone's picture on the back of this book. And he, uh, she was, Sharon Stone told him about, like, different sex positions or something like that. That's later that she does it. Oh, that's later? I thought we had heard about the the grabbing of the hair and pulling. Nope. Okay, so he grabs Michelle's hair and, like, pulls her up. And, like, I feel like he's about to choke her, too. Yeah, it's... Very aggressive. Yeah. And very sudden. Yeah. And we don't know if she's into it all. And we don't get to learn if she was into it or not. Nope. Because the phone rings and it's his ex-wife and she's like, I need you to come down here right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, sex over. Yeah, uh, bye. <laughs> money on the counter. <laughs> God. Uh, yep. So then we get to another place. And we see Denise, his ex-wife, and she's like, it's Adam. And she's like, this is Adam's place. And, like, we see a lot of photographs of, like, like, kinky. Yeah. Like, like, two sets of breasts, like, chained against each other, I think. Yes, but it's black and white, so it's art. Right, yeah. It's a lot of nude, like bondage art um which is just kind of weird to have more than one right it's weird enough to have one of those yeah in your house and it also kind of seems like has michelle or not michelle has denise seen this place because that doesn't seem like because they were seeing each other for a year yeah but i don't know whatever Um, but yeah, we see that Adam 
has seemingly died from autoerotic asphyxiation because mm-hmm. he's tied to the bed around with a tie around his neck. Mm-hmm. A um, belt. Or a belt. Uh, so, yes, that is what we see. And uh, when Michael goes to check on him, he steps on a Big Ben lighter. He does. Which he then throws in the trash bin. Yep. Because... He is apparently not very good at working with the police, even though he's has a very good friend who's a detective, mm-hmm. and he gets called in to consult for them. He doesn't think, don't throw away evidence. Yeah. Um. Uh, now I'm just thinking, like, to the end, like, the reveal, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, no. did he carry her coat to the... Th- mm. Anyway, uh, I'm like, so I wrote down, like, so she plants evidence on herself? What is she doing? It's because she's addicted to risk. I guess. She has a risk addiction. And then I was like, well, then his fingerprints are on the lighter, but they don't look at the fingerprints. And also her fingerprints are on it, too. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, his fingerprints are on it from earlier. and Don't know what the point of the lighter was. Yep, just to mess with him, I guess. I guess. Uh, we find out Catherine was sleeping with Adam, too. Mm-hmm. Um. And she asks if, um, Michael, in therapy, she asks Michael if he believes that she didn't kill him. And she's like, oh, I guess it would depend on the quality of my performance. Which... Uh, ironically said in one of the worst performances Sharon Stone has given. (laughs) And also, like, this whole time, like, she never tries for her innocence. She never says, like, I didn't do it, or, like, you have the wrong person, or whatever. She's just always like, ooh, yeah, you think I did it, didn't don't you? I bet you think I did it. This is why you think I did it. And it's like, do you want to go to prison? Do you want to? (laughs) Well, she wants there to be a risk of it. She's addicted to risk. And she does this, like, chair straddle thing where she (laughs) She turns a chair backwards like she's about to rap with the kids. Yep. But she's wearing a dress, so she just is splaying her legs out, like pulls mm-hmm. the dress way up so her legs are showing. Mm-hmm. And the camera just shows her leg in the foreground with Michael <laughs> in the background staring at it. Like, they're clearly trying to do an homage to the interrogation scene in the first one where she, like, doesn't have any underwear on and underneath a white dress, and she crosses her legs a different way Mm -hmm. and like you know the cops are like (gasps) as she crosses her or uncrosses her legs and like she's saying how he wants to have sex with her and Mm -hmm. how all the things that he's imagined doing to her Mm -hmm. and again she's manipulating him because she's so brilliant yeah and she's like, I know you do. When you think about having sex with me, and I know you do. <laughs> just, uh, and then she talks about, 
Okay, I know this scene is on YouTube, so if you're not going to watch this movie, I'm just asking you to go on YouTube and look up the scene where it's I masturbate thinking about you. Because <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so awkward and weird and, yeah, and, like, the whole time, like, he has no emotion he has no reaction to this nope. whatsoever he's not uncomfortable he's not into it he's just like stoic and it's like yeah and like i don't believe that he even cares that that she i feel like he's just annoyed that she's there mm-hmm. um yeah He's back at his apartment, and his cop friend shows up to talk with him and points out a painting he has mm-hmm. that has some German written on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ich Rieken... Rieke Blut. Yeah. And... Is this supposed to be very important? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's thematically <laughs> important. I kept thinking it said Ich meine Blut, and I was like, I, my blood? That makes no sense. And it even looks like eek mina blood. Yeah, that's what it does look blood. like. And I only, he does say what it's supposed to say. Yeah. So that's the only yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. And this cop shows up at a personal friend of his mm-hmm. who is also a suspect mm-hmm. in this death mm-hmm. because he was the ex-husband of her lover whom she was cheating on him with for over six months before their divorce. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, he's just casually asking him, uh, you know, questions about the murderer and telling him information that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He's a, not a very good detective. Nobody's good. Nobody's good at their job in this. Uh... Yeah, and then we get to a montage of him not listening to his patients. Just being so bad at therapy. Really bad at therapy. Just, like, charging them $1,200 an hour to sit in your fancy office while you stare into space and Mm -hmm. they tell you about how they worry that no one listens to them. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, if I were a patient, I would be so screaming at him (laughs) just him like rubbing his eye i'm like dude come on you have time in between appointments get a coffee or something i don't know my greatest fear is that i bore people when they listen to me (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh okay so they go to the german psychiatrist's house because apparently Michael wants to be up for a Douglas Chair Award. Yeah, he wants to Some... be part of that Freud Symposium. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but Catherine is there <gasps> for some reason. Because she's writing a... She's researching her new book about a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Uh, so she's there. Um, also, she has really... I just from the the first glance i was like okay her hair actually looks like pretty pretty decent like she looks like 
much more like put together mm -hmm. and like polished um because her bangs are like really choppy and yeah. her hair is awkward and choppy she has this... very bad 2004 hair yeah it's really bad and so she had it like pulled back into and in like half up and i was like oh okay like her hair looks really good in this scene and then she turned profile and her ponytail like curled under and, like, was clipped under, so it looked like she had, like, a circle on the back of her head. And I was like, why? Why, hairstylist? Why did you do that? Do you think I'm insane? <laughs> do you think I'm nutso? <laughs> because if I were to, to promote you to the Benson field... That's what they would say. <laughs> Excellent impression of German guy. Thanks. <laughs> but yes, that is what the German psychiatrist says. Uh, just this dialogue is so terrible. It's, it's really bad. Just deliciously terrible uh -huh. throughout this whole movie. And then he decides that, Michael decides that he's just going to follow her now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he follows her, like, in downtown London. To the red light district of London. Yeah. Where all the sex shops are. Yep. Yep. And she sees a dude on the street, and she, like, puts her leg up on, like, a box or something like that, and she, like, hikes up her trench coat, I guess, and either shows her exposed thigh or just, you know... Her vagina. Like, it her is vulva. very specifically stated that she doesn't wear underwear That's in the first true. one. That is very true. So I am led to believe that she is That's exposing herself That's kind of what I figured, fully. too. Um, and he grabs her. Well, first, she also then gives him money. She does give him money. That's right. And then he, like, roughly grabs her by yeah. the throat. Yep. So then our doc follows her. Um, and... Or he follows... To where he thinks that he's taking her. The guy is taking her. And he knocks on a random door. And there's a dominatrix. Like with a cat of nine tails. With a, a client. I mm -hmm. guess. Um, and he goes all the way up to the rooftop. And sees a glowing skylight window kind of thing. And he looks down. And there is a giant orgy going on. Yep, just, just just the orgy room. Just you know, one of those random orgies, one of those buildings where you can just you pay someone, you pay someone to bring you to... into the orgy room. <laughs> but then you don't look at anyone but the one person you came in with apparently. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh and any creepers who are up on the roof <laughs> looking down at you. You can make eye contact with them. Yes, because Catherine is being railed by the guy, uh, and she looks up to the skylight and starts smirking at Michael, and Michael is just stoic. Yep. <laughs> we get some German techno playing underneath this. Yeah. It was, the music was, I have no idea what it was. So it was weird. so bizarre. So weird. 
So the next day we find, I wrote down Auntie, but her name is Milena. <laughs> I was like, she's kind of like Aunt-esque to Michael. Um, and uh, uh, Milena like, is like very smiley uh, about Catherine and Michael possibly being together. And he's, and she goes, you're in love with her, aren't you? And I'm like, no, he's not. He's not remotely like for some reason the movie has him like following her and having sex with someone else while looking at her book but i don't believe for one second that he's in love with her also like they haven't even like hung out yeah like no he's not in she's love with patient. her she's a patient yeah uh yeah so that was goofy <sighs> and he steps outside his office and there's a cop just waiting on the hood of a car because apparently he has nothing better to do than to wait outside one of the biggest office buildings in London mm-hmm. for one guy to walk out mm-hmm. and uh, tries to get him to break privilege again and he won't do it yeah, they they are really into the idea of breaking privilege. And yeah, he goes to meet up and he learns that uh Adam was going to write a story about uh, Ch- Ches yeah. Cheslov? Yeah, Cheslov and how Michael was going to break confidence or how Michael was going to perjure himself. Mm. Uh and his ex-wife was the source. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he goes to meet up with his ex-wife, who is at a bar. Just a random bar. And he knows where she is. Yep, because everybody knows where to go Even in this movie. her boyfriend was either died or was killed mm-hmm. uh, a day ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's just at this bar. You know, presumably where she always is, because Michael knows exactly where to go. He yells at her and they get into an altercation. Mm-hmm. Some men step up because they see this six foot five guy yelling at a woman. Mm-hmm. And they are rightfully like, hey, what's going on here? Yep. And so he punches them. Mm-hmm. Like you do. And runs out of there mm-hmm. and follows the woman down the street. Yep. And into a... Another? A a nightclub with, like, a hotel attached almost? Right? It was so weird. It has very soundproof doors. It does. On the way to the loo. It does. Yes. Um, also, it kind of seemed like it just, like, shifted from, like, outside to inside. Mm -hmm. I don't remember seeing him go through a door. Nope. Um... But yeah, he uh, follows Denise. He thinks that he sees Denise with Catherine. Mm-hmm. We see a blonde woman. Yes. Don't they do? Have we also found out that Catherine and yes, Denise? Yes, at the bar, she was saying that Catherine was like she was a friend. We know that Catherine was sleeping with Adam. Yes. And we know that she was friends with Denise. And this is where like we get a slight implication that there may have been something between Catherine and Denise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he follows Denise and who he thinks is Catherine. We don't 
ever get a confirmation. Um, through the doors into the hotel, apparently. Down the hall. To the bathroom. Um, and we hear some, like, moaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knocks on every bathroom door. And I'm like, can you not tell where it's coming from? I feel like I you can not. tell. I feel like you can tell which door noise is coming from. Mm-hmm. Or at least if it's further away than the door right next to you. There's like an erotic pinup photo in this bathroom. <laughs> like of uh, like leggings. Yeah, like, leggings. Uh, like a stocking. Yeah. With like, someone bent over, yeah, uh, but it's just like the it's, butt to the knees. <laughs> the butt, and then yeah, it's a very odd photo for your fancy club hotel bathroom. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and he knocks on the last door in the bathroom, which could have gone there earlier, but no. No. Um, and he opens it, and Denise has her throat slit. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's, like, moaning, um, and, yeah. And, yeah, he tries to save her, yells at someone, calls the ambulance, and I think they say that she's in a coma after this. It's hard to say what exactly happened to her. Yeah, I thought she died. I thought so, too. Um, yeah, uh, also, I wrote down, and... Maybe this is because, like, what she says at the end is true. Um, but Catherine favors favors the ice pick. Yeah. That was her weapon of choice. It was. Very specifically. And um, she did not slash throats. She did not do autoerotic asphyxiation or drowning. She stabbed people with an ice pick. Mm-hmm. And I was really annoyed by this change i was like if this is Catherine, like she apparently doesn't care about see i took it that she changes her methodology with every kill because she also uh seemingly killed her parents in a staged boat accident that's true and she killed uh a boxer somehow uh Mm. by uh causing him harm before he went into a boxing ring Oh, yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, her method changes. Uh, The ice pick is just what she's using in the sequence that we meet her. Okay. In the first one. Well, and the the last one, too. Like, she grabs an ice pick a couple times. Yes. Um, okay, maybe I just... Which, she grabs an ice pick one time in this movie, just while she's chopping some ice unrelated to what's happening in the rest of the movie... Just because, like, well, she has to use an ice pick. It's Basic Instinct too. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's, like, very minor thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we get to the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn that Denise and Catherine were just gals being pals. Yep, they're just some gal yeah. pals. They're, 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 they're gal pals. Yeah, and this is the conversation that kind of implies that maybe there was something. But... yeah. It's so couched in euphemism that you can't tell. <laughs> they they were friends. <laughs> like they they were 
very good friends, girlfriends. Like, I don't even remember what was said, but it was just so, like, just say they were having sex. Yeah. Like, you were able to explicitly say it in 1992. Why can't you say it in 2004? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, this is the scene where Michael is just staring through the police office window at Sharon Stone having conversation with the detective. Mm -hmm. And then he comes in and explains what happened, which is just an overly long scene. (laughs) And I feel like we could have gotten that information better than to see nothing happen for a minute, followed by him saying what just happened a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And he goes over to Sharon Stone's apartment or house or something. For whatever reason. To confront her. And she's like, yes, some guys are into blondes, and some guys are are into into killers. killers. And she's like, it turns you on, doesn't it? And he's like, he's just like, it it turns me on. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Dude. He just seems so not into it. (laughs) But, But they bang it out. And then she's reaching under the bed and pulls out something. And she takes a belt and, and puts lassos it, his neck with it. And tightens it and is just like, do you trust me? Because I trust you. And, like, is doing some asphyxiation on him. And it's like they're trying to make the belt the ice pick of this movie. Right, yeah. That the belt is the, is she using this, is she not? Right. And that's like, that's a very dangerous thing to do to a sexual partner. Oh, yeah. To just pull this out of nowhere. After not talking about it at all. Yeah, like that is You don't have a, they don't seem to have a safe word. Like, you gotta have a long conversation about that before going into that. You can't just go 120% into, and now I'm strangling you with a belt. But also, she pulled that out and literally lassoed his neck. It was a very talented move to happen mid-thrust. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, he doesn't die. She's, she doesn't try to kill him. It's just the uh, erotic asphyxiation, um, and they finish having sex. Uh, then time passes, and he's just showering the next morning, I guess. We don't see what happened after. Yep. We don't see the conversation about what the hell was that thing with the belt. <laughs> Maybe next time we talk about, like, what we're gonna... Um... <laughs> Then we learn that Washburn has a past. Well, we first we see him rooting around in her fridge and he finds oh, a that's vial right. and some syringes. Yes. Which he takes to Washburn to mm-hmm. be like, hey, tell me what's in these bottles. And then uh, Michael steps outside and sees Sharon Stone's driver and he reveals that Washburn has a past. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of uh, falsifying evidence yes right and apparently he was going to write or adam had written a story about it Mm -hmm. so this psychologist has to go to the library to do some detective (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like you do as a psychologist. Uh, yeah, so then we find out that, um, yeah, uh, Detective X as the... The report. dirtiest cop in London. Yeah, the dirtiest cop in London, who they didn't say. Um, they just referred to him as Detective, Detective X. Which, X. that's poor journalism. Right? Like, if you are revealing if that there is... If you're gonna do an expose, do an expose. Yeah, don't say there is a cop who is the worst cop in London right. and does all these things, and then not say who it is so he gets fired. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, and then... Uh, he goes to, Michael goes to the assistant and mm-hmm. he's like, uh, Adam did this, per, er, Detective X, he almost said Professor X, <laughs> <laughs> Detective X article, it's Washburn, right? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, so the guy who plays Michael is like, a foot and a half taller mm-hmm. than this assistant guy. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of the scene is filmed with them walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the assistant is two strides closer to the camera and he is on the curb. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael is in the street and further behind and he's still four inches taller. <laughs> but then he crosses the street mm-hmm. and goes to the other side and so while he's crossing the street, he's like s- drops down the four inches from the curb again. And it's an interesting solution to a problem that I wouldn't have noticed if they had cut it better. Mm-hmm. But because they did, I was just like, oh, they're, they're just apple boxing right now. <laughs> oh, I'm too, too familiar with apple boxing. Uh... So then we get to the orgy house because mm-hmm. the dude was choked by a belt. And this Detective and Washburn likes bringing civilians to crime scenes as yeah. you do. Yeah. Just brought the psychologist. Who again is a suspect yep. in another murder yep. where someone was killed by being strangled with a belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then... Uh, Dicky Pap, we learn, is the, which is a terrible... Don't go by Dicky Pap. It's a terrible street name like, for a sex his, worker. His name was Richard Paplovich or something like that. And he, go by, he goes by Dicky Pap. What? Why? Don't do that. Don't. Um, but we had heard of Dicky Pap before because we had heard that he was the one who provided the DTC to Catherine on the night of the guy in the cars mm-hmm. uh, drowning. Um, but we see Dickie Pap and he is dead with his butt out <laughs> and he and he has a belt around his neck and yep. And while in the middle of this murder scene, the detective asks the uh, psychologist the psychiatrist to perjure himself Mm -hmm. and be like hey you need to say that she's going to kill someone so that i can lock her up under psychiatric observation yep and he's like but she hasn't said that she's not even my patient anymore he's like i don't care i'm a dirty cop let's do it (laughs) um and then 
is that when Michael kind of accuses Washburn of killing the guy and he's like, whoa, do you think I I pulled down his pants and jacked him <laughs> off and made it so there's gum everywhere? Yep. And he uh, drives <laughs> to Sharon Stone's place to confront her. I mean, after he said that, I was like, did you? <laughs> did you do that? Uh, anyway, yeah, he drives to Sharon Stone's house to confront her. Oh, because he says that that, uh, the vial that he gave him Mm -hmm. was the DTC. Yeah, not insulin, like she claimed. Yeah, she claimed it was insulin. And he goes in and she's like, hey, follow me up to the jacuzzi so that we can have a sexy set piece. And he's like, okay. And then she's just walking back and forth with her robe open so that we can get glimpses of her. Mm -hmm. And she's just revealing how she did all these murders. (laughs) Yup. And why she did them. Mm -hmm. And he is Mm stone-faced. Until she hops into the jacuzzi. Mm -hmm. And, like, taunts him and is like, you are just gonna realize that you let it happen again. It's can't really guys name uh cheslov all over again except at, with cheslov you didn't know who he was right away but you knew that i was a murderer the second you met me mm-hmm. and then he tries to drown her yep also before he goes over there we see her at her computer typing her novel mm-hmm. i totally forgot she was an author by this point <laughs> i was like She's just a murderer. Like, that's all she... I totally forgot that she was writing a book. It's... That's, like, a really interesting thing of the first one. That, yeah. Like, her cover is that she wrote a book, and she, like, had this planned out... Yeah. ...years in advance. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it seems like she's kind of winging everything. It does. It does seem like that. Like, it seems like she's decided to mess with Michael just because he's there, as opposed right. to uh, Michael Douglas's character, who she had, like, eight-month-old newspaper clippings on him mm-hmm. in her apartment mm-hmm. and had planned out this whole thing. So, yeah, she's she seems to be addicted to risk more than this one. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, see Milena. She is learning beginner's Hungarian. Uh, and Sharon Stone gave, um, Michael a copy of her new book, which she finished. Oh, CD. yes. Yes, that is why we get to Milena. Um, because the new book mentions Irina mm-hmm. and Kelly. Mm-hmm. And how Kelly seduces Irina and kills her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the other uh, incidents of her being by. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's reading the book on his laptop or on his computer, mm-hmm. and then prints it off. So he prints an entire book just so that he doesn't <laughs> have to keep staring at the screen. I guess. And this is where we get. While he's reading it, we see her chopping at ice with her ice pick. Oh, okay, gotcha. And uh, he races to her, uh, Melina's apartment, Mm. and calls his cop friend, 
and gets a voicemail instead of just calling the police and saying, I think there's going to be a murder. Yeah. No, he has to call his one specific guy mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets there and she is, Melina is chastising him for being a terrible psychiatrist mm. because he slept with a patient and then tried That's to drown her. Unethical. Very unethical. <laughs> Not profesh. Uh, it was the riskiest thing in the entire ethical canon. Uh, he uh, sees that Catherine is there as mm-hmm. well. She's my patient now. And he kind of lunges towards Catherine and Melina gets in the way and he pushes her and she hits her head on the desk. And I was like, is she dead? Like, is this, was this Catherine, Catherine's plan to kill her by having a guy bump into her and hit her head? Yeah. (laughs) But she is not dead. She is just dazed. Yep. And unconscious momentarily. Mm-hmm. And then Catherine has a gun. Yep, she managed to get a gun into the UK. Yep. And just hands it to him and is like, hey, this isn't protection from you. This is protection from Washburn, Washburn yep. who I'm worried is going to come here and kill me mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> uh... Even Oedipus didn't see his mother coming. (laughs) Because Catherine claims that Washburn is such a dirty cop that he's the one who killed uh, Cheslove's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That he killed her so that he could arrest Cheslove for that since he couldn't get him on drugs. Right, yep. And then he also is planted evidence Mm -hmm. and... He's a crooked cop. Uh, and why does she know all of... Again, everyone is a detective in this. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's when we get the brilliant line, even Oedipus didn't see his mother coming. Uh, Washburn is... He breaks into... He breaks the door in. Yep. And then immediately Michael shoots him twice. Yep. And Washburn says, kill her. It's the only chance you've got. <laughs> and then dies. And so Michael is about to shoot Catherine. And she's hiding behind Melina. Mm-hmm. And then as he is like going to shoot her, a bunch of cops come in and one of them like tackles him to the ground. <laughs> And he's, like, staring at Catherine, and then afterwards, or, and then after a little while, we just get, Aah! He just screams at just her. Just a scream. Uh, as she's, like, staring <laughs> at him, like, smugly. Uh, yeah. So then we cut to... The future. Mm-hmm. And, An indeterminate amount of time has passed. And we are in presumably a, a psychiatric hospital. And it is a very sensitive portrayal because we see oh, someone so running away from guards. It's and so 
someone happily applauding just, at this yeah, nonsense mm-hmm. in front of him. Uh, someone making goofy motions on the stairs. Oh, it's so bad. Which is a very good portrayal of a maximum security uh, mental institution. Yeah. Uh, and now Michael is in a wheelchair and... He's semi-catatonic, I guess. Right? And like, what happened like we presumably just that was like his mental break and now he's just semi-catatonic um and then Catherine like gives him her new book Mm -hmm. and she's like do you want to know how it goes the book version you read was an early draft but you gave me a better ending Mm -hmm. and And then I don't know if this is us revealing the truth of the movie. I don't. Or it's her planting false memories in him with manipulation. I don't know. Because, like, so many things, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we saw him, like, running after Denise. Unless that was, like, in his mind that we were seeing that. Like, we don't know. And it's not in, like, an intriguing, like, ooh, I wonder what really happened. It's like, this is bad storytelling. Yeah, she's revealing that he actually killed everyone, that it wasn't, like, was it Sharon Stone killing everyone or was it the crooked cop? It's Mm -hmm. like, no, Michael was the killer of everyone. Yeah. That he killed Adam because he was jealous, and then he killed his ex-wife because he was upset with her, and then he killed a random sex worker. Pap. Because he was jealous that, that he, he was had sex with Sharon Stone. Catherine, yeah. And then he killed the detective in a fit of rage, not because he hated him, but because then he would be able to plead insanity and get away with it all. Ah! Because he can just go to a mental institution instead of and a prison and pretend to be catatonic. Uh, yeah, so she says, come back soon, baby, I miss you. And then the book on the inside says, to Michael, I couldn't have done it without you, and you is underlined. And then his face starts twitching. He almost smiles for the first time in the movie ever. And his face moves. So yeah, that's the only thing that makes it be like, oh, maybe she wasn't lying at the very end and that he right? did kill him. But that makes it worse because it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Which that just means that the movie lied to us yeah. for an hour and a half. Yeah. Because when you have a twist like this, like something like Fight Club, mm-hmm. they have like stuff that lets you know that this is a possibility. Right. Like uh, Tyler Durden being spliced in for two frames mm-hmm. early in the movie or when he beats himself off. When he beats himself up in his uh, manager's office. Yeah. Like, there's that stuff that you're like, oh, they were planting a seed that there was a twist later on and that we weren't being told everything the way it actually is. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, we have no reason to think that he is an unreliable narrator. Right. Or even that he is the narrator of this movie. Yeah. So, it's a terrible ending. It's so bad. (sighs) however i got a lot of laughs out of it i did too this movie has some terrible 
terrible dialogue. <laughs> the dialogue is so bad. I, it was, I think we were laughing once every minute or two. Oh, yeah. Because of yeah. something that someone would say. Yeah. So in that respect, it was a fun watch. It didn't feel overly long. No, it didn't. And it's just, it, every, there's one ridiculous thing after another. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially, I'm glad that we watched the first Basic Instinct because, like, knowing how good that was and then watching this one, I'm just like, oh, man. Like, it really does feel like a parody of itself. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I recommend it. I had a great time. <laughs> Yeah, and I would also recommend it. I had a lot of fun watching it. Mm-hmm. It it was fun to have a few drinks, laugh at what was happening. It was free on HBO. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I gave it a rating of one overly priced shrink out of one by erasure. Love it. So Rick, where can they uh, find you? Uh, if people want to follow me, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rick Boston. You can also find me on Twitch at Northernmost Gamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Allie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allie in MPLS. A-L-I-I-N-M-P-L-S. Um, we also have an email address mm-hmm. if anyone ever wanted to send us I mean, we had someone any us, sort like, of email. a couple weeks ago yeah we did i just i'm i feel entitled to emails now because like we've had emails i'm like why don't we have any this week you could have written in about like drop dead fred or what was the one that we did Oh, S. Darko. Mm-hmm. If if you watch Donnie Darko and like you heard our episode and you were like, Ugh, I I really like Donnie Darko. I I don't know. You could do that. You could you could even <laughs> just write about like your day and how like you look forward to our podcast, even though <laughs> I know we only have like eleven listeners, but thank you for listening. Um, yeah. I look forward to our podcast. I do as well. Um, but our email address, if you want to email us, is 30belowpod at gmail.com, 30belowpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Facebook. hmm Um, yeah. Oh, if you want to be a guest, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Reach out to us with a suggestion yeah. and a movie that you are uh, very fond of mm-hmm. or have a reason to be into it. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to have you on. We had someone approach us about appearing on uh, an episode that Allie was very excited to learn such a movie existed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of The Jackal, let us know. <laughs> Because uh, love to have someone on to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's all we've got this week. That is, yeah. Uh, I've been Rick. I've been Allie. And this has been 30 Below. Bye!